proud dad moment. You know, Josh is here leading the service. He's out of the room, so I can talk about him. He's uh, just a flashback to um, nearly seven years ago when we said we were coming to Sunbridge, and uh, and Josh, who's just walked in the room, was adamant he wasn't coming here. And here he is now leading meetings and uh, doing really well with the youth and stuff. So praise God um, for my son, Josh. This evening, um, I'm going to look at Proverbs chapter 23. And what I'm going to do is, it's quite a long chapter, so I'm not going to read it all out. But we're just going to look at some selected verses from Proverbs 23. We've been looking at Proverbs on a Sunday evening And a lot of the time when people have been speaking about the Proverbs, there's been a lot of talk about wisdom. And of course, Proverbs is all about wisdom. And as we look through the verses tonight in Proverbs 23, again, the challenge is for us to be a wise people, an understanding people, a people who are given over to God and his ways. So we're going to think about that tonight. Um, Verse 23 of chapter 23 of Proverbs says this, Buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom, instruction and insight as well. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom, instruction and insight as well. It's important as we look through uh, the Proverbs and as we look through Proverbs 23 tonight to know that it's all about having truth. You know, when we have the truth, the truth sets us free. That's what Jesus said. And when we read scripture and we follow what it says, then we live in truth and we prosper in the right way of prospering because we're following God's ways for our life. In Proverbs 23, there are 13 sayings, 12 do nots, and seven references to the heart. And people have said that Uh, Proverbs 23 is often sort of known as the heart chapter, the heart chapter. In verse 26, it says, my son, give me your heart. I want to suggest that that's the key verse tonight. My son, give me your heart. In scripture, when the heart is referred to, it means something different to what we often think it means. So in scripture, the heart often refers to the seats of a person's affections. The heart is where wisdom and understanding dwells. And we are exhorted in in this proverb to give our heart to God. You know when tonight I say my son, I mean my son and daughter. He's talking to all of us. Don't think when I say my son, all you ladies can just go to sleep. He's not talking to you. He's talking to all of us. My son, my daughter, give me your heart. But as God asks for our heart, the Bible tells us something about our heart and our heart's condition. In Genesis 6, this is before the flood, it says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. In Genesis 8, after the flood, It's not like the flood dealt with the issue. In Genesis 8, it says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings to it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though 
every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. So the flood didn't rid the earth of the problem. We still have the same problem that our heart is evil. It's hard for us to think about that, isn't it? Because there's something within us that tells us actually we're good. Uh, We're good people, really. Uh, We might look at other people and say they may be bad and they might have a bad heart. But the Bible says we've all got a bad heart. And we need to do something about that. And we in and of ourselves can't do anything about that. And the human heart is evil from childhood. We're born in sin. We have a problem with our heart. And yet this proverb says we are to give our heart, our unclean heart, and all the evil inclinations of our heart to God. Jeremiah 17 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can know it? Or here is desperately wicked. And who can know it? So when we trust in and of ourselves, we find ourselves coming up short against a holy God who's pure and holy and clean. So we need to be aware of this. And when the proverb then says in verse 26 of 23, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. We need to know that God is asking us to give of ourselves to him. All that we are, our wickedness, our thoughts, our inclinations, everything we give to him. You see, we often in the West, we separate wisdom and intellect and heart This is what Woody Allen, the the playwright and the comedian said. He said, my heart says one thing and my my head says another. Very hard to get your heart and head together in life. We might find ourselves sometimes saying this, should I go with my head or with my heart? You've maybe said that sometimes. We make this separation between head and heart that the Hebrew mind doesn't. The Hebrew heart sees things differently. That's a Hebrew word there. It's lev, which means heart. Find this throughout Scripture, throughout the Old Testament. But in the Hebrew mindset, there's no such division of intellect and like your seat of emotions. The heart is the center of our being, according to Hebrew wisdom literature. Wisdom and knowledge dwell in the heart. The heart is the seat of our affections. So when when in the proverb it's saying we give our heart to God, it's saying we give our entire being to him. Not just our heart. We, we might just think, well, that just means our emotions. We've got to give our emotions to him. No, our entire being is to be given over to God. So when Solomon in writing Proverbs 23 says, give your heart to God, he means your very self. That is all our thoughts, all our desires and affections should be given to God alone. And the main thrust of this proverb is to guide the reader away from that which is harmful to the soul and towards a loving God who knows what is best for his children. He wants to move us away from that which is harmful and lead us towards that which is good. So we're going to unpack this uh, proverb, Proverbs 23, with selected verses tonight. And I split it into three sections. We've, we've had Jeff Bennett at the School of Discipleship. Some of you will know Jeff. On a, on a Monday evening, comes fortnightly, and he's been going through homiletics, which is the art of preaching. And um, Jeff was the guy that sort of taught me all this stuff anyway, but I forgot all about it. And then he's come back, and he's reminding me that it's good to have three points and to have good alliteration. So that's what I've tried to do tonight, so you'll remember. 
you remember the three points, but you'll forget everything I said about them. But at least you'll have those in your head. So we're going to think of the deceptive life. We're going to think of the disciplined life. And we're going to think of the destructive life. Just looking at some of these verses in Proverbs 23. First of all, the deceptive life. I don't know if you saw this headline this week. Winning Euro millions has ruined my life, says 21-year-old. A woman who became Britain's youngest Euro millions winner says she's considering taking legal action against lottery bosses for ruining her life. Jane Park won 1 million when she was just 17 years old. Now 21, she says the winnings have failed to offer her any long-term happiness. She is looking to sue Camelot, which runs Euro Millions in the UK, for negligence. In an interview with the Sunday People, Jane said, I thought it would make it ten times better, but it's made it ten times worse. I wish I had no money most days. I say to myself, my life would be so much easier if I hadn't won. She added, people look at me and think, I wish I had her lifestyle. I wish I had her money. But they don't realize the extent of my stress. I have material things, but apart from that, my life is empty. What is my purpose in life? And there she is. And I'm thinking if they'd have put her address, I'd have got in touch and said, well, we're trying to build a new building. And, uh, you know, if it's causing you a lot of stress, let's relieve you of that stress. You can give that to us. But maybe she bought into something that lots of people buy into. The lie that money and material possessions equal happiness. Money and material possessions equal happiness. And Solomon warns his readers not to be ensnared by wealth. In Proverbs 23, 1-4. It says this, when you sit to dine with a ruler, note well what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you are given to gluttony. Do not crave his delicacies for that food is deceptive. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Interesting what he's saying. He's talking about this in a few of the verses that follow as well, which we don't have time to read really. But he's talking tonight about those who would like to seek to climb the social ladder, as it were. You know, trying to achieve things in this life by way of gaining notoriety or celebrity status or, or financial gain or some kind of status in this life will cost you more than you think. This young woman said that, didn't she? She said, I won a million pounds, but it's ruined my life. You know, most people will think she's crazy making that statement. But there's many people that have testified to that very fact. That suddenly being, being given or gaining lots of wealth can actually be detrimental to your life. To climb socially will inevitably mean you have to drop spiritually, I would suggest. If you're a Christian... And you're seeking after the things of this world. And you're looking to gain things in this world. It will inevitably harm your spiritual life. Your walk with the Lord Jesus. For seeking after prestige and position will often lead believers to compromise. To do things and say things they know isn't right. 
I've heard some people tell me this. People who, you know, had a good job, were doing really well, but they were they were made to do things and say things and go places that they wouldn't want to do as a believer, but they had to do it. It was their job, and they may have gained financially from doing these things, but it doesn't sit comfortably with you, and it shouldn't sit comfortably with you if you are asked to do things that we know we shouldn't do as believers. Maybe you have to take out and wine and dine people that you wouldn't ordinarily hang out with. You know, maybe the way they live their life and their morality troubles you. But you bought into that lifestyle. This is what Solomon's saying. You know, if you dine with these people, you dine with kings, there will be compromise. You may get envious about what they have. But don't be envious of what they have because you don't want to kill yourself trying to get rich. And yet, this is what's promoted in our world today, isn't it? You know, get a good job. Work long hours. Yeah, it might be detrimental to your family. It might be detrimental to your health. But true happiness will come from gaining all these possessions and having wealth. And Jesus spoke a lot about those things, didn't he? Jesus said, you cannot serve both God and money. We heard Simon quote this as well this morning. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul. To spend your life seeking prestige and honor, to spend your life seeking after money is foolishness. And the Proverbs are all about wisdom and gaining insight and having right knowledge and right eyesight to see things as they are. But to live that kind of life is a deceptive life. What appears to make you happy will end up actually destroying you. So I don't know about you, whether you know there are things in your life in this area where you know, you're seeking after some kind of lifestyle, keeping up with the Joneses. You know, people getting a massive debt today just to own things that they think will make them happy. And it doesn't work. Friends, let's not let ourselves get caught in that trap as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, just thinking of what Simon said this morning for those who were here, those who weren't. He was talking about building the Lord's house. And yet people in the book of Haggai, is how I'd pronounce it, Haggai, in that book, he was talking about there are those who are building their own panelled houses. And yet the Lord's house is in ruins. You see, we can spend all our time chasing after the wind, as Solomon speaks about in Ecclesiastes. Chasing after things that actually never actually makes us happy, never actually gets us anywhere. We can't take those things with us. And yet in doing that, we neglect our relationship with Jesus and all that we could be doing for his kingdom's sake and doing things that will last. It's one of the deceptions of Satan, isn't it, to tell us these things. Behind most things that lead us away from Jesus is Satan. And it's a deceptive life. And Solomon says wisdom will lead you away from those things, not towards them. What about, let's think about the disciplined life then. We've got the deceptive life, the disciplined life. Verses 15 to 18, it says, My son, if your heart is wise, then my heart will be glad indeed. My inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak what is right. Do not let your heart envy sinners but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. If your heart is wise. I wonder if any of you have come across that term before, 
Um, it's a GIGO is a computing term. In ICT, it says this. ICT systems cannot function properly if the inputs are inaccurate or faulty. They will either not be able to process the data at all or will output data which is erroneous or useless. And so GIGO stands for garbage in, garbage out. You may have heard that term before. If you put garbage in, garbage will inevitably come out. And so it comes from a computer programming term. So if you just put gobbledygook into a computer, gobbledygook will come back out. You know, you have to, it has to make sense of what you're inputting into it in order for a good output. Friends, this is a, a problem we have in our world today as well, especially for young people. You know, the proverb talks about wisdom, especially for young people. You know, be wise, listen to your father and listen to your mother. But our young people are growing up with all kinds of nonsense being put into their heads, into their minds. We're living in a time like never before. Our young people have never, we've never experienced what our young people are experiencing now and what they will experience in the years to come. The way technology's taken off. We've got all that stuff there. You've got their, their phones. You just see people on their mobile phones constantly, don't you? Or on the internet or on their tablets. And they're listening to things they shouldn't listen to. Maybe sort of hanging around with people who use vile language. They're watching things that they shouldn't watch. They may be living in an abusive family situation. They're being told that the way to go is to earn money and, and be rich in the future. They may be getting to drink, drinking early and drugs and alcohol. Maybe they're watching things on the internet that they shouldn't be watching. And all this garbage is going into our young people. And what's going to come out? You know, we've... Uh, been watching on the news this week again about our prisons and the problem in our prisons that they're just full to overflowing can't manage the situations that drugs are rife in our prison system how does that work don't know it's just it's just a crazy world we're living in but you're going to have more and more people be needed to lock, be locked up if all they're, they're they're watching and listening to and involved in is garbage they get garbage in they'll get garbage out now, you might think, well, that's okay. Tony's talking about young people. What about us? Do, are we caught with some of this stuff as well? You might think, man, I'm a Christian. Maybe not. But, you know, how much time do we spend inputting garbage into our minds? Maybe things we watch, things we listen to, things we're involved in. You know, we, we, we make the mistake, and again, this is another of Satan's ploys, of thinking that we can watch something or listen to something or read something and it won't affect us. We can reason that out, can't we? Well, I can watch it, but it doesn't affect me. But it does, friends, it does. You know, yeah, young people say, well, you know, I watch this horror film and, you know, they're, they're like 13 or something. But I watch this 18, yeah, but it didn't scare me. But what are they inputting into their minds? Those mental images. Those things they shouldn't be seeing. Shouldn't even be watching when you're over 18 some of this stuff, let alone under 18. And what about us? Do we put garbage in our life as well? Do we spend a lot of time just with rubbish instead of what's important? I greatly challenged myself as I was thinking about this tonight. Because you can spend an awful lot of time doing nothing or wasting your time on things that are not eternally important. And watching things and listening to things and just doing things. And it, sometimes it's not even sinful things, is it? You know, and I've got to put my hand up. You know, social media. Hey, you know, I spend a lot of time on social media. I always justify it. You know, well, I'm putting something biblical on. 
you know, I'm promoting the men's breakfast or, you know, or I'm trying to wind someone up or something. But I'm doing that and you think, man, is this the best use of my time? You know, someone once called um, the social media, all the social media things you can get involved in, someone absolutely named them weapons of mass distraction. And I think that's right, isn't it? Weapons of mass distraction. Because even if you're looking for something, you're on there for a reason, something else will catch your attention and you'll be somewhere else very quickly. Friends, what we put in will inevitably come out somewhere. Garbage in, garbage out. But a disciplined life, as Solomon and the writer of the Proverbs are saying, a disciplined life can lead to a different outcome. In Proverbs 23, Solomon wants to combat this garbage in, garbage out. He says this in verses 13, 14, and 19. Well, I haven't got verse 12 on there, but I'm gonna, I'll read it. I've got it here. It says this in verse 12. Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge. And then verse 13. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with the rod, they will not die. Punish them with the rod and save them from death. Listen, my son. This is verse 19. Listen, my son, and be wise and set your heart on the right path. Now there, there's this uh, idea of disciplining a, disciplining a child. And we know, again, the world frowns upon that. And there's a whole smacking debate and all this kind of stuff. But I want to take it out of that. I don't want to really discuss that tonight. But think again about the need to discipline a child. However you discipline a child. There are whole wads of children growing up without any discipline in their life. Being told you can live how you want to live, you can believe what you want to believe, you can choose what sex you want to be. If you want to be a girl and you're a boy, that's okay. If you're a boy and you want to be a girl, that's okay. You can just do whatever you choose in your life. And these kids are growing up without any wisdom, without any understanding, without any knowledge. And kids need discipline, don't they? They need to be told what is right and what's wrong. They need to be shown what is right and what's wrong. And again, let's not think we're just talking about kids here. We too, we sometimes need to be challenged and told what is right and what is wrong. We need discipline. We all need discipline. We need chastisement from the Lord. Because when we live with the discipline of the Lord and we read his word and we live according to his word and his wisdom, then things can change. So Geigo, instead of garbage in and garbage out, could actually stand for good input leads to good output. If we put good things in our mind, if we, if we soak ourselves in the word of God, then there'll be a good output. We'll live in a godly way. And this is what Proverbs is all about. It's all about wisdom and seeking after knowledge and following God's ways. And as we do that, we will live a godly life. Good input will lead to good output. So we, we've had um, the deceptive life. We, we've had the um, disciplined life. But finally, I just want us to think about the destructive life. The destructive life. You know, Satan's um, chief weapons when he's attacking people are money, sex, and power. They're the three things, often, that lead to the downfall of people and downfall of Christians, sadly. But in the verses here in Proverbs 23, he's talking about some other people as well. In verses 19 to 21, he says, Listen, my son, and be wise, 
and set your heart on the right path. Do not join those who drink too much wine. Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat. For drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. It's true, isn't it? That lies can be ruined by addiction. It's a destructive life. We can be addicted to all kinds of things. It may not be alcohol that we're addicted to. It may not be meat that we gorge ourselves on. There can be all kinds of things that are addicted. I want you to think for a moment about that. Maybe you already know. Maybe you know that you've got a problem in an area of your life. But I often sort of look at it like this and, and, and ask the question, if there is something that you do that you know you could not stop doing, then you've got a problem with that. If there's something that you do that you know you couldn't stop doing, then you've got a problem with that. And that can be the simplest of things. I mean, I'll just give you a crazy example. Maybe you are addicted to Walker's cheese and onion crisps. And I said to you, can you stop eating cheese and onion crisps? And you say, no. You've got a problem with that. You've got a problem with that. You have. It could be something very simple. If there's something we do that we can't stop doing, we have a problem with that. So I want us to think about that for a moment because this might not be our area where we think, well, that's not me. I know that addicts have a problem with all kinds of things. You know, we had a little sharing time. Josh led us in a little sharing time and we had some really good stories. I just sort of share one with you as well. This morning we had a, a lady come with uh, two children, two teenage children. And after the service, I didn't even know she was here, but she came and had a chat with me. And she said, are you one of the guys that shared up at Hollybush Christian Fellowship the other week? Adrian, myself, Bruce, some of the young people went up to Hollybush. And I said, yeah. And she said, well, I've come down from Selby to the church, see what you're about today. And I'm like, that's fantastic. It's really good. I said, were you there? She said, no, I wasn't there. I said, okay. She said, but what they did is there, they produced DVDs really quickly. So you could get a DVD almost like 10 minutes after the meeting finished. Uh, Carol got one. If anybody wants to see it, she'll lend you it for a small fee. Uh, it's got my picture on the front. I don't know where they got that from. They obviously went on Facebook or somewhere. And that lot, it's entitled Tony Brown and Friends. <laughs> so I didn't need to get a copy. I just was happy to know that people were taking me home. And so Carol's got a copy. But what happened is the lady that was there bought a DVD and she gave it to this lady that was here this morning, Bernadette. And she said, you've got to watch this. You'll love it. And she listened to all our testimonies and stuff like that. And she came down because the Lord's been placing on her heart uh, an outreach to addicts. And she's been praying about an empty pub up in Selby that she wants to get for nothing. She's talking to the council about it and everything. But she came down because Bruce shared his testimony and we, we watched the video of Bruce and everything. And um, so I introduced her to Adam this morning and I think he's already booked her to come and speak at Real Hope and they're going to link together and stuff like this. And Isn't that amazing? Isn't that fantastic? How God works and links people together. And she said, you know, I've got a background in addiction, but Jesus saved me. You know, there are people lost in all kinds of addictions. There are people lost in the Christian church, maybe in our church as well, who are caught up in all kinds of things that are just not good for you. It can be something very simple. It can be something that we're doing, something that we're watching, and we think, we know it's not good for us. And when we continue to do those things, 
we are not acting wisely. You know, it's not only people who, you know, obvious people who you think get caught up in addiction. I remember a number of years ago, I worked for a short time just during the summer while I was at Bible College at St. George's Crypts in Leeds. And uh, that was an interesting experience. The people that came in there, uh, they brought weapons in with them. And when they come in, there was like a little booth. They had to hand their weapons in. I'll never forget this guy got this massive knife out like this. And I thought, oh, my goodness. And he handed it in. He got a raffle ticket so he could get it back on his way out. So I praise the Lord for that little booth that were taking stuff off them and everything. But there were a guy turned up there, and he looked different to the rest of the people there. The, the rest of the people that were there looked like you'd imagine they looked. You know what I mean by that. But there was a guy there, very smartly dressed, three-piece suit, sort of little spectacles on. He came on his bike. He had sort of bicycle clips on his pants, and he'd get them caught in the, in the cogs and stuff. And everything got talking to him. And he told me, he says, you know, I'm, I'm an addict. I'm, I'm a, an alcoholic. You know, and he said, uh, you know, just sort of in the last few months, I've lost my wife, I've lost my home, and I've lost my job as a university professor. He looked like a university professor. He taught like a university professor. But alcohol had robbed him of his life. You know, it says here, do not join in with those who drink too much wine. Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat. For drunkards and gluttons become poor and drowsiness clothes them in rags. We give out a lot of clothes here. People are living in rags. But what is it that's robbing us? Is there something that's robbing us of our walk with the Lord Jesus? It might not be those things. It might be something else. We had a great men's meeting here yesterday. We had a guy called Olau Tom Thomason come along. He was from Denmark. And he just he was very open about his life and his addiction that he's had in the past. Really challenged us to think about our own brokenness. And, um, you know, how it affects our life. And to see ourselves rightly before God. A God who still loves us in our brokenness. In our mess that we all have. And he's developed a group called Dignity Restored. About these things again. About restoration. Finding your true worth in Jesus. Beginning to walk in wisdom again. Maybe someone here tonight needs some prayer. Then let somebody pray with you tonight. But it could be the simplest of things. Whatever the Holy Spirit lays on your heart. But Proverbs 23 is talking about these things. We're looking at selective verses. But the whole of the proverb again is talking about wisdom. That we shouldn't, we de- shouldn't be de- deceived by the enemy. And by sort of chasing after the wind and financial gain. We need to sort of live a disciplined life. We need to follow the Lord and make him priority in our life. We need to stay away from and shun a destructive lifestyle that can lead us away from him. It says in Proverbs 23, 26. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. My son, my daughter, give me your heart. And let your eyes delight in my way. The heart is treacherous. We know that. We read those scriptures. We know it's wicked and evil. And it will lead us astray. If we just follow our heart. So we give our heart to God. Give our heart to Jesus. And as we give our heart to Jesus. And let our eyes delight in his ways. He will lead us into truth and wisdom. When it says, my son, 
It implies relationship. Oh, my son and daughter implies a relationship. God wants to have a relationship with people. He calls us my son, my daughter. He says, my son, give me. That's like a request from God to us. We have a relationship with him. And there's a request. Give me, give to God your heart. And my son, give me your heart. There's a requirement. There's a relationship with God. He wants to have a relationship with us. He requests that we give him our very being, our heart. And then as we give him our hearts, we find life. If we want true life, we give God our hearts. Proverbs 23, 23, buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom, instruction, and insight as well. By the truth. Again, this, this idea, isn't it, as Jesus spoke about, you know, you and you, the lost coin, and you know, you're sort of, you're searching for it because it's so priceless. You know that you give everything you've got just to get it because it's so priceless to you. Buy the truth. Do not sell it. Do not sell out to the world that's telling you that truth is just subjective. Don't sell out to a world that's trying to lead you away from God. Don't sell out. Buy the truth. Keep hold of it. Keep tightly hold of it. Because when we do, we'll have wisdom, instruction, and insight as well. And finally, Proverbs 4.23 says this. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Just before Adrian comes and sits. Leads us in our final song. Let's just pray together. Father God, we are so prone to wander away from you. Lord, to believe the world, to believe the flesh, to believe the enemy, to believe our own feelings about things. And Lord, we we so deceived by these things. And Lord, we don't want to live a deceptive life. Help us to see the world for what it is. It's passing away. And Lord, we just want to buy into that which will give eternal life and something that's going to be stored up in heaven. Treasures, Lord. Help us not to buy into the lies of the enemy who would seek us to waste our life chasing after possessions and prestige in this life. And Lord, help us also not to lead a destructive life. Father, I pray if any of us here tonight are struggling in an area of our life and we need prayer, we need release, we need freedom, then Lord, I pray that people will seek out someone to pray with them tonight and you'll set them free. Father, you've called us to live life and life in all fullness. So set us free tonight to follow you. And Lord, help us to live a disciplined life from there. So that, Lord, we might guard our hearts and we might give ourselves to you fully. And that we'll follow your ways. Give us wisdom and insight. So that, Lord, we won't be led astray by the evil one. By a world who wants to bring us down and wreck our lives. Protect us, Lord. Protect our our families. Protect our church. Lord, as we seek to follow you, we pray, Lord, you'll bind the enemy. And Lord, may we just have wisdom. Give us wisdom, Lord, and insight into all things so that we might please you and honor you and worship you as we should. And we ask these things in Jesus' name.